In the northwest corner of Africa, just across the Strait of Gibraltar, lies the country of Morocco. Many years ago, there lived a rabbi in Morocco who was respected and loved by all of the inhabitants, Jews as well as Arabs. Eventually, his reputation for being wise and kindly reached the palace of the sultan himself. Who is more in need of wise consultation than I, thought the sultan. After all, the fate of a whole country rests with me. So he invited the rabbi to the palace. After a long, enjoyable conversation, the sultan and the rabbi parted warmly. You must come and visit me again soon, said the sultan. I would appreciate hearing more of your learning and wisdom. And before long, the rabbi became a frequent visitor and a personal advisor to the sultan. As a result of these visits, the sultan began to view his Jewish subjects with more respect and treated them more kindly. The sultan did not run his country alone. He had various ministers who were in charge of things like the army or the navy or the treasury or the police. He even had someone who was in charge of his ministers. This was the chancellor, who was the most powerful man in the kingdom next to the sultan. The chancellor was a suspicious person and did not like the idea of a Jew being such a close friend of the sultan. So the chancellor talked things over with the imam, the Muslim priest, and they thought of a plan to discredit the rabbi in the eyes of the sultan, hoping that the sultan would then turn his back on the rabbi. The imam would visit the sultan once a week to study the Quran together, which is the book of the Muslim religion. The Quran contains many stories from the Torah, including the story about the enslavement of the Bnei Yisrael in Mitzrayim and how Moshe Rabbeinu led them to freedom after performing many miracles before Farai and his court magicians. One day, when the imam was reading this very story to the sultan, he asked him, Do you think, your majesty, that the Jews of today have such a great man who can perform wonders and miracles like Moses? I believe the Jews are a special nation, answered the sultan. Yes, I believe they are a wise nation and a holy nation, and I have heard it said that in every generation there are miracle workers among them. And such a wise, saintly man as your friend the rabbi, do you think he could perform miracles? asked the imam. Without suspecting what the imam had in mind, the sultan replied, I should not be surprised if my worthy friend the rabbi could indeed perform miracles. Well, with all due respect, continued the imam, I personally doubt it very much indeed, and in fact I am prepared to wager that your friend the rabbi cannot perform even a single miracle. A wager, eh? said the sultan. I accept, and I will prove it to you. But if you lose, the prize will be decided by the winner. When the imam left, the sultan realized that the imam had trapped him into a difficult situation. 
but it was too late now, as the wager was already agreed to. So the sultan sent for the rabbi and told him about the wager. The rabbi was alarmed. Your majesty, he said, I have no doubt that this wager is nothing but a plot by the chancellor and that imam to embarrass me in your eyes so that you no longer value my friendship and my counsel. Believe me, my friend, said the sultan regretfully. I am sorry I allowed myself to be drawn into this game, but I'm sure you can see that I'm the sultan and I cannot go back on my word. In honor of our friendship, please just perform one miracle in the presence of all of my courtiers that will show the imam and the chancellor that you can perform wonders like Moses the prophet. May it please your majesty to remember, said the rabbi, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not perform miracles at his own will. He only performed those wonders which God Almighty had commanded him to perform and empowered him to carry them out in God's name. Moshe Rabbeinu was not like the magicians of Farai who performed tricks. All of Moshe's power came from Hashem, the creator of heaven and earth, who alone can change the laws of nature at his will. However, give me three days, and I will know if it will please God to make me his emissary to perform a miracle. Excellent, said the sultan. Come back in three days when all my ministers and nobles will gather to witness the outcome of the wager. I do hope you will come out the winner. The rabbi left the sultan's palace and went home. He called together the leaders of the community and told them that a grave danger threatened all the Jews in the land. And furthermore, to arouse Hashem's mercy, he pronounced a public fast for the next three days to be observed from sunrise to sunset. All men and boys over the age of 13 and all women from the age of 12 should not permit any food or water to pass their lips. And everyone is to gather in the shul each morning and evening to pray to Hashem to defeat the evil plan of their enemies and save the Jews from danger. The rabbi's instructions were carried out to the letter. The Jews fasted and prayed with broken hearts, and their prayers and tears reached the highest heavens. On the third day, as the Jews came out from the shul after Shachris, they were horrified to see an old Jew with a long shepherd's crook walking slowly in the street, eating a sandwich. They grabbed him and dragged him to the rabbi. Who are you? asked the rabbi. Don't you know that we are having a public fast today? My name is Mordechai and I'm a shepherd. I lost my way while grazing my sheep and for three days I have been wandering lost in the wilderness until I reached your town. I would never have dared break a Tainas Tzibor, a public fast, had I known that your honor had issued a decree. But why is it a fast day? I don't remember it being a regular fast day, explained the stranger innocently. The rabbi told Mordechai about the wager between the sultan and the imam, and why he had proclaimed the fast to invoke Hashem's mercy to save them from the danger which hung over their heads. In that case, Rabbi, I would like to propose that I represent you in this contest. If I win with Hashem's help, 
Our enemies will see that Hashem does not need a prophet, that he can bring salvation even through an ordinary shepherd. And if I lose, chas v'shalom, I'm after all just a plain shepherd, and there are many more shepherds in the world. However, I am sure that your fast and your tefillahs have already done their work, and I will indeed be successful, said Mordechai. Amen. Kein yehiratzain. So may it be his will, said the rabbi. Now, Reb Mordechai, we have no time to lose. We have to appear before the sultan and his ministers right away. The rabbi and the leaders of the Jewish community accompanied Mordechai the shepherd to the palace. On the way, Mordechai asked them for the full names of the sultan, the imam, and the chancellor in order to address them properly. The royal hall was filled to capacity when the rabbi, Reb Mordechai, and the representatives of the Jewish community arrived. The sultan was seated on his throne, flanked by the chancellor and the imam, and the air was filled with trepidation as everybody waited for the contest. The sultan greeted the rabbi with a friendly welcome and then looked at his unusual companion, dressed in a shepherd's robe with a long shepherd's crook in his hand. Who is this man? asked the sultan. This, your majesty, said the rabbi, is an ordinary Jew, a shepherd, whose name is Mordechai. I have invited him to appear before your majesty with me today in order to demonstrate that even an ordinary Jew, a shepherd, can perform wonders as a messenger of God who created heaven and earth. All eyes turned to the shepherd, some with interest and some with scorn and amusement. The chancellor and the imam stood with smug expressions on their faces. They felt that they had nothing to worry about in a contest with Mordechai the shepherd. The sultan raised his hand and a hushed silence fell. Well, Mordechai, kindly approach the throne and favor us with a miracle, said the sultan. The shepherd stepped forward, raised his crook, and spoke in a clear, commanding voice. O great and mighty king, Sultan Yusuf, the son of Ibrahim, and honorable chancellor Hussein, the son of Mihran, and the Imam Abu Bakr, the son of Abisali, and all you distinguished noblemen, I am, as you see, an ordinary shepherd. But all of us Jews are humble people who boast no special powers of our own. Like the moon that merely reflects the light of the sun, so we receive all our light and life from the holy Taita, which we received at Har Sinai through our teacher and prophet Moshe Rabbeinu. It is from the Taita alone that we derive our strength. From the time of our father Abraham to the present day, our history has been filled with miracles and wonders. We survived all of our enemies, for when Jews are attached to the Torah and its commandments, they are attached to the endless power of the Creator Himself. The shepherd paused, and the hall was silent as the crowd was spellbound by his words. And now, Your Majesty, continued Mordechai the shepherd, 
with the divine power of the Taita, I am prepared to perform a miracle with this shepherd's crook, which will surely demonstrate to you the truth of my words and will testify to the power of the Creator. May it please your majesty to order your strongest bodyguard to step forward with his sword and chop off the honorable chancellor's head. And then, using only my staff, I will miraculously place his head back on his shoulders so that not even a scar will be left on his neck and he will be as alive as ever before. Surely this should convince him without any shadow of a doubt that even an ordinary Jew like me, let alone such a saintly wise man as the rabbi, can perform as great a miracle as Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The chancellor's face was pale as he began to stammer, No, 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 I'm completely convinced that he is capable of performing miracles. I need no further proof. Well then, said the shepherd Mordechai, Perhaps the worthy imam is not convinced. I am prepared to perform the same miracle on him. Trembling with fear, the imam replied in a faint whisper, No, 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 there's no need for it at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I never had any doubts about the holy rabbi. The, the whole idea to, to discredit and embarrass the rabbi was, was the chancellor's. What? roared the sultan. Shame on you both! And from the rumbling voices in the crowd, it was clear that the ministers all agreed. Shame on them both! Turning to the rabbi, the sultan asked, Well, what should I do to these men? You have won the wager. Just say the word, and I will have them put to death. Your majesty, said the rabbi, Clearly they are deserving of the same punishment that they intended for me and the members of the Jewish community. Spare their lives, but let them be banished from your kingdom forever. So be it, said the sultan. And turning to the two men, he said, Go now and never see my face again. The two men, the chancellor and the imam, slunk out of the royal hall and were indeed never seen again. Then the sultan spoke very kindly to the rabbi and Mordechai the shepherd and the leaders of the Jewish community. He told them how happy he was at the outcome of the contest, and he sent them off with much honor. The rabbi now ordered that the public fast be broken with a public suda that evening to celebrate the great miracle of their deliverance. It was like Purim for them all, as the Jews gathered for the happy celebration, they all looked for Mordechai the shepherd to give him a seat of honor next to the rabbi. But he was nowhere to be found. Mordechai, the simple shepherd, who with his wisdom and his faith had saved the community from the plot of their wicked enemies, had disappeared as mysteriously as he had arrived. <laughs>